ball up and caught. Is it inbounds? Yes! Touchdown, Titans! Johnu Smith tips it to himself. What a play! Fumbles. Ball is loose. There's a fight for it. Titan ball! Casey got it out! And Big Jeff at the bottom of the pile starts wrestling a raven and he wins! Welcome to Titans Beat on the Say It Again Network. Alongside Anna Lewis, I am Joe Lemming. Hello, Titans Nation. Uh, Coming off of a second half fall apart by the Titans against the Colts on Thursday Night Football, we are looking forward to turning the page and shifting our focus to longtime rival Baltimore Ravens. How are you doing today, Anna? I'm well. How are you? Doing great. So... Really, Thursday night's game was a tale of two halves, and you saw the Titans come out firing on all cylinders and just fall apart in all phases of the game in the second half. So I I just, what what are your thoughts? Where do you think that collapse started? So I have the unpopular opinion of I think that collapse started with the offense. Um, We had several several minutes of straight indie offense and uh, it wore our defense out so I think it gets to a point and I was like this when I was coaching I was like this pretty much my entire life of being a football fan when you get to where you're asking your defense for too much they're gonna break and we do play a bend don't break defense so um that was bound to happen the way it did it was really ugly but uh not being able to score not being able to at least get a first down conversion on a couple of those drives and then to have special teams fall apart completely in the worst way possible. Um, It was just really disappointing. I saw, um, I don't know if you follow him, but Alan Bell on Twitter, he put out um, a stat line that was like a messed up punt, seven points. Um, the, well, like the short punt ended up being seven points of the short field. Um, then you had the block return for touchdown, seven points, um, missed field goal, three points. And then the decision to not go for a field goal and stay competitive in that game was another three points. So we had all that up. That's 20 points, um, that really were special teams and coaching issues, which, which is huge. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think the collapse really started with special teams. I yeah. partly agree with your statement about the offense definitely not helping, but I don't think they were the root of the breakdown. I think everything really fell apart with the shanked uh, punt, and then also obviously giving up seven points on a blocked punt as well due to a missed blocking assignment. I mean, that's 14 points right there. 14 points to have to overcome against one of the league's best defenses is going to be near impossible to do. But sure. something that really, really, really pissed me off was that we stopped trying. We said, okay, yeah. we're going up against a great Colts defense. We're down three scores. There's eight minutes left. We're done. And that that just infuriated me when we didn't kick that field goal when we were down two touchdowns and a field goal. Take the points and stay alive in the game. Because if you don't get that that conversion on fourth down, game's over. And it was because right. we pulled our starters after that drive. That you could the team that beat the Chiefs last year in one of the most improbable comebacks was because they did not give up. So yeah. I'm not going to say if they would have kicked that field goal, they would have won the game. But my God, you're playing against a divisional opponent 
when if you win that game, you have a 95% chance to make the playoffs. And if you lose, you drop to a 45%. Whereas right now, and I know there's a lot of football left to be played, but right now you're on the outside looking in. You yeah. have got to win games and you cannot afford to you can't afford to lose from here on out. You've got to win some really tough games and you gave up a lot of cushion against the division opponent and that pissed me off that we stopped trying. Yeah, and not to mention that we have to go and play that same divisional opponent in two weeks. So <clears throat> I don't know. I think it's a it's a good opportunity for a comeback there. And we do always seem to lose to Indy here and then beat them in Indianapolis. But that I I'm with you watching them give up and then the second you see Logan Woodside go in, no hate to Logan, but it was just like wow. Wow. I did not think that I would see the Titans do this. Definitely didn't think I'd see Mike Frable throw in the towel on, on any game ever, but definitely not a divisional game. So We had three timeouts left. Three timeouts. We didn't use any of them. Yeah. How, you're losing and you don't use any of your timeouts. So oh. I was there at the game. I actually, um, I, I'm sure you guys see her all the time, Stephanie of Ladies of Titans Twitter. She ended up taking me to the game because she won the John Robinson giveaway. So we were sitting there, and she was just listening to me kind of <laughs> – ramble the whole time and um her and Haley thornhill also from twitter uh they were sitting on either side of me and both of them said oh you know this is nice because we can kind of keep an, a level head because that's how i try to sit in games once we got to the fourth quarter with that nine eight nine minutes left and you see us give up i was like we can leave we can go it's over and i i've never felt that way because of that chiefs game last year because of a lot of instances of us coming down from a two or three score deficit. I don't know. It was frustrating and you never feel good about losing to a division rival and you never, never, never feel good about giving up. So no, I, I'm definitely a little salty still. So we've talked a lot about the special teams blunders and the offense really just stalling out for an entire second half, but we can't say that the defense wasn't at all at fault either. Because sure. we made Philip Rivers look like an all-pro quarterback. A, a man that's been very generous with the football, throwing interceptions all season. And we didn't get any interceptions. And we let him elude pressure multiple times when we should have had him drop for a sack. And, and really one of the sacks we got right before the first half was you know him trying to extend a play to get a touchdown. So I'm not even going to credit that full sack to that defense. But we're playing soft in coverage, which I know is something that you want to talk about. Yeah. But our, our defense definitely didn't help the, the case either. So I disagree on what you said that we made Philip Rivers look good because Philip Rivers' receivers made him look good. There were a lot of yards after catches, and um, his stat line looks a lot prettier than it looked in that game. And uh, I, I don't know. I have, I've never had any love for Philip Rivers, and I definitely don't now that he wears that uniform. But I actually was sitting there going, you know what? Philip Rivers didn't beat us today. Like, if anything, we beat ourselves, but uh, Philip Rivers didn't beat us on uh, on Thursday. But his stat, I just pulled up his stat line to see if I was if I had any numbers to back me up, and I don't because uh, his numbers look good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, let's talk about that coverage for a minute. I I put it out there. Actually, I've got a couple of former players that follow me on Twitter, and I put it out there for some of them to let me know what makes a coach decide to give every single receiver, every single play, a 10-yard cushion. And every single player that messaged me um, or responded to the thread said, 
there's no trust in your DBs at all. And it's clear as day. I think that's valid. Um, it's frustrating, though, because I, I don't know. Like, Kevin Byard covers a lot of ground. I trust him to make plays. He has been having an off year, but I still trust him in the right scheme to look good. Um, same with Kenny Vaccaro. So the addition of Desmond King, I w- thought we would see a little less cushioned, um, at least on whoever he was on. Um, I thought we'd see Malcolm Butler a little bit higher up on some of those things. Not, I mean, 10 yards off the line of scrimmage. It's crazy. It's absolutely insane. And um, the whole let him catch the ball and then try to make a tackle, that's that's a ter- I don't know. It's just not aggressive enough for me. And the reason it worked for DMPs, I saw a thread about um, somebody was talking about DMPs is always that's his defense. He always has loose coverage with a pretty substantial cushion, and he did. But he always matched it with really great pressure up front and not never trying to over scheme that and over playing that. Which I know I've <laughs> I've hammered on that point a long time um, that we're doing too much up front. But he also Never had every single receiver with a 10-yard cushion. Right now, we have every single receiver with a 10-yard cushion. At least if Dean Pease is running the the defense, you would have two that were up a little bit closer, two or three yards. Not 10, but every single one has 10 yards. And when you give them 10 yards, they're gonna get they're gonna get seven. Yeah, I totally agree. And I've I've been on the Kevin Byard and Kenny Vaccaro, you know, search list all season as well, trying to find them. But then when you really think about it, you know, safeties aren't the ones supposed to be jamming guys up you no, know, no, no. at the line of scrimmage. They're the guys that are back there to stop you from getting beat, as you know. And, I mean, when we're not forcing quarterbacks to throw down the field, they're kind of just getting left stranded, just have to tackle guys for minimal gain. They're just playing, you know, the safety valve instead of making plays. So it, it is infuriating. And, you know, it, it doesn't make sense. Because I remember there was one play, I think it was like third and two, and we were playing guys 10 yards off. It's like, yeah, yeah. you don't even have to run a route. Just snap the ball and throw it, and you've got a first down. So, yeah. I, granted, our, our third down defense has been drastically improved, but one of the most insulting things from Thursday night is the Colts' willingness to go for it on fourth down. That yeah. was such a slap in the face. They, they were not at all intimidated by our defense on either oh. front because Naheem Hines also had a career day. He had over 100 yards total scrimmage from, uh, from scrimmage, which – is unheralded for him. He's never done that. So I, I that, that was just a embarrassing showing all around offense, defense to get slapped around by a division foe in such an important game. I, I couldn't believe what I watched. Yeah. In the it, and the reason you see the Colts feel so bold on fourth down is because of what you just said. All you have to do is snap the ball, take two steps and you've got the first down. I, I was very disappointed to see us on even fourth and short playing loose coverage with a huge cushion. Um, it, nobody in their right mind would call a run, <laughs> which is like what you anticipate on fourth down. But nobody in their right mind is going to look at how that defense lined up and call a run play. You're going to call a pass every time because it's easy. It's easy work. So something that's funny, I don't know if you said this to me or if I saw it on Twitter, but somebody said, the reason that the Titans are so good at goal line defense is because legally the corners can't line up 10 yards off the receivers yep. because there's not enough room to do it. Yep. I was like, damn, that is, that's true. That like, is true. That's crazy. <laughs> no, but, but it's true. It's a hundred percent true because I, 
I don't know. Back to Kevin Byard and Kenny Vaccaro. Their role is not to, like you said, it's not to lock up receivers on the line of scrimmage. That's not what either one of us are expecting for anyone that's listening to this. Our expectation is for our cornerbacks, a.k.a. Desmond King, Malcolm Butler, those guys, to lock up so that Kenny and Kevin can do their job, which is to clean up all the mess in the middle. But right now what they're doing is floating around praying that they get there to make the tackle if they have to. And that's not... They're not getting to play the ball that they know. And my whole issue all year that you've seen me rant and rave about on Twitter is when the scheme that we're doing, first of all, doesn't even make sense. And I've never seen anyone run a defense like this. Second of all, it doesn't allow these guys to do what they do best. None of them. Absolutely none of them. It's so frustrating. At what point do the players take over and they just say, you know what, this isn't working. And somebody like Malcolm Butler just one play, just step up on the line and, and make a play. Like, cause at some point you've, you've got to, you've got to let the players make plays and they just got to step in and do it. But something yeah. that hasn't really got talked about much is this team's really been down spiraling for what is this four, four weeks now, four weeks. weeks, four weeks. And that's all right around the time that the team lost Taylor Lewan. Yeah. And I don't think enough has been said about that, impact because Ty hasn't played terrible but something that I really noticed on Thursday was that Derrick Henry does not run left as much now no he doesn't the left was a strong side and the left is Derrick Henry's strong side if you look back at pretty much any of his highlight runs they're him running to the left that's his strong side with his stiff arm and even when he ran left on Thursday, that's some of his biggest plays he's had. Yeah. But we're not running it as much because that impact's not there. And then when you had that strong side with Saffold, who's now obviously banged up, playing hurt, and Taylor Lewan gone, you would maybe have guys maybe focus more on the right side of the line on the defensive side of the ball, when now you've got guys that feel like they can push through your offensive line across the entire line because there really is no strong side now. So I think you're seeing where you could manipulate a defense and run plays how you really want to because you've got one really solid – you've got $100 million on the left side of the line when now right. you've got you've got bandaged up Roger Saffold and Ty Sembrillo or whatever his name. I can't even say his name right. No disrespect. Yeah, I can never but. say his name right either. Absolutely no disrespect to you, Ty. Um, yeah, and I, I think you're absolutely right. That has not been talked about enough because Taylor Juan is an all-pro athlete. And, I mean, there's a reason that he got paid the way he did. There's a reason he carries the weight that he does. And um, that was a really unfortunate injury to have because it does, it just, when you see that and then you look at the trend that we're seeing now of the offense declining, you have to look at it and say, yep, this is Taylor Lewan's impact on this offense. Um, this is Taylor Lewan's impact on Ryan Tannehill's confidence. Um, this is Taylor Lewan's impact on Derrick Henry's confidence, um, who I think is probably more confident than any player on that field. But if you know that you don't have that protection that you usually do, I mean, you're not going to run that way either. So I get it. Um, I think his biggest impact is tangible when you're looking at Tannehill, um, just because you see him rushing passes more. You see him making really, really rash decisions and uh, making some really poor decisions, taking hits he shouldn't take. Um, I don't know. I, I know a lot of people like that he runs the way he does, and I do to an extent. 
but he makes some decisions to go run and take a hit that he doesn't need to make because he's he's also a hundred million dollars. <laughs> so we definitely don't need him getting hurt either. Um, and I I know that I went on a tangent this week about about Tannehill and how he's been on a decline, and I think a lot of it has to do with the confidence. We don't see him having the same like swagger he usually does. Um, he does not look confident and I don't know if it's a protection thing I don't know if it's a hey I haven't performed and now I have to to prove that I deserve to be here to these fans and these coaches whatever it is um I'm not sure but he doesn't he doesn't look the same I know you've been talking a lot of you said it to me the last couple weeks is that you're not a full-on believer in Ryan Tannehill and I'm I'm not going to say I'm on that same boat because I love Ryan Tannehill and I'm not saying you don't either but I think what a lot of it has to do is when he's been great we haven't really been playing from behind. He right. plays his best brand of football whenever they're out there, you know, playing backyard football, just making plays happen, chucking the ball down the field. And, you know, obviously Derrick Henry's big play threat has helped contribute to that. And a lot of that's kind of gotten dampered down again, like we just talked about with Taylor Lewan being out. But when we're playing from behind, that run option is pretty much gone. And Ryan yeah. Tannehill knows that he has got to be perfect. Because if he's not finding AJ wide open up the middle because of play action, you know, he's having to force the ball into some really tight spaces. And he does a good job of that at times. But there's times where our wide receivers aren't getting separation and he's having to force a play. And I, I think what he needs to do is get used to taking the small plays instead of looking for the big play every time like he's been used to yeah. since he got here. Because there's yeah. some times where he's tried to force ball into double and triple coverage when there's been a guy – wide open in the middle of the field, maybe five yards upfield. He just needs to take what the defense has given him and stop trying to do too much. Yeah. And I think, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a Ryan Tannehill hater. I'm not a Ryan Tannehill believer. I'm just somewhere in the middle. I'm a Titans fan and I want whoever's best for this team to be on the roster. And I don't know if, uh, <laughs> I don't know if you and I were connected back with all the Tom Brady talk, but I was a huge advocate for Tom Brady because our offense was lined up for somebody like him. Very strong tight ends. We, come on, we have Adam Humphreys. We have a strong guy in A.J. Brown. We have a lot of the weapons that Tom Brady would have done really well with. So, yes, I was one of those people. I apologize. Um, but my thing is, if you feel like this is your chance to take a stab at the Super Bowl, do it. And um, I don't know. I just don't think that we've done that. And I think we had some opportunities to fix it before the trade deadline. And we didn't, um, I don't know. I've been, I've been kind of disappointed in some of the front office decisions. Uh, been impressed by some, I think the Desmond King pickup was huge and I, you guys will hear me praise that all the time. Cause J Rob worked his magic on that one. But to me, Ryan Tannehill was never the long-term solution here. And I didn't think we were going to have a long-term solution in Tennessee for probably two or three more years, because in my mind I was like, okay, we'll get Tom Brady for a year or two. And then we'll hopefully draft a young guy and let them get nurtured under Tom. And then they'll be that quarterback, hopefully. That's where my mind went. And that's, to me, what best case scenario was if you wanted to bring a, a Super Bowl here. So Ryan Tannehill has missed a lot of wide open players, like you said. And it is because they're shorter and they're not the big play. But five to seven yard plays get first down conversions. And that's why we're losing. <laughs> like, that is why our defense is getting eaten alive, because we give the five to seven yard plays every time. Other teams do it, too. Our quarterback's just not taking advantage of them. And it's frustrating. It is really, really frustrating. 
Yeah, I, I totally, you know, I think we're on the same page there. Uh, but moving on to something, like you said, there's been some moves that have been frustrating that the offense has, the, the front office hasn't made, excuse me. And the move that's most frustrating to me, and I think a lot of Titans fans, is the fact that Steven Goskowski is still on our roster. Yes. Why? Why? Is it because he's friends with Vrabel? Because I can't imagine any other player on this team just messing up as much as he had this season and keeping his job. Look at Jonathan Joseph. Look at Vic Beasley. These are guys that didn't perform, that don't deserve the money, and they got cut. Why is he still here? He cost us overtime against the Steelers. He cost us this week against the Colts. Why is he here? And the only excuse for us not kicking the field goal at the end of the game against the Colts is because Rabel didn't have faith in him to kick that chip shot field goal. So if you don't have the faith to have him kick that to go down two scores, why is he still here? Why is he still your quarterback? You're not right. your quarterback. Oh my God. Your kicker. <laughs> we had a guy on our roster who I fought to the death for in Joseph when we signed him last year. They signed him to a two year contract. And everybody's like, oh, we need another kicker. I was like, no, we signed one two year two year contract. He didn't miss an extra point and he hit his one field goal. And then we cut him for a guy that can't kick. Yeah. He can't kick out of the end zone. Every single, almost every single kickoff falls to the five yard line. We're I'll yes, yes to all of that. Where did Greg Joseph end up going? Do you remember? He's he's on the practice squad for Tampa, and I, I don't even think he's a protected player. So we could easily just go sign him off their practice squad. It is mind boggling to me why we are not giving him another chance because he did well. He did what he needed to do. Yeah, I. Uh, so I'm sure you know this. Special teams is not my forte. Um, I I know very little about it, so I don't keep up with most of the um the roster moves that can be made. And I have people ask me that all the time. So I probably need to start doing more research because I didn't even know that he was down in Tampa on their practice squad. But that that's the logical move to me. He did nothing wrong here at all. Um, Goskowski has done everything wrong. Everything. He is infuriating to watch. Um. The Thursday night, Thursday night was absolutely one of the most emotionally draining football games I've ever watched. And when you look at the punter situation, and when you look at the fact that Goskowski missed another field goal within 50 yards, you're like, well, why, why is this still happening? Why, why are we not making decisions? Why are we not making hard decisions that y'all claim to not have a problem making? I don't know. It's frustrating. It is... I have no words for it because I, li- I literally sat at that game with my mouth wide open thinking we're going to cut him tomorrow. Be all right. But I think what we're seeing is that Mike Rabel likes to hire his friends. Isn't our DB coach an old buddy from Houston? I believe so. Yeah. What? That guy isn't great. I, it's been a trend so far since Rabel got here, but it's worked. So I don't think anybody's really criticized it. But yeah. this is really the first sore thumb that's sticking out. That's like, okay, like we get it. You guys have a history, but it, it's. I mean, but it's I, him, him and Jonathan Joseph had a history too. They got him. So I, I don't know what Gus Kowski yeah. did. He's got to have some dirt on him. I'll, I'll, right. I'll make it known. I got threatened to get kicked out of Nissan Stadium on Thursday after he missed. You that did game. not. They they threatened to kick me out. I Why? I got mad. <laughs> so you know how the seats are zip tied, right? Yeah. So I, I got mad and I kicked the seat in front of me and the zip tie broke. It busted open the seat. 
and I, I of course at the same time I was yelling obscenities, so I drew attention to myself. And yeah, they they almost made me leave, which I wouldn't have missed anything anyway. But yeah. want to see them together and i'm glad that we possibly don't um lamar has not looked he doesn't look solid and he usually is a bigger threat and i think a lot of it is you're right it has to do with the play calling at least from what i see my concern is our defensive play calling i think the reason we were able to break lamar is because dnp's game plan very very well for his former employer we don't have that and that makes me nervous so i'm usually i would be cautiously optimistic but I think they, even after we beat the Bears, I didn't feel great. So I think I've just been beaten down over the past three weeks. And I'm I'm just cautious. <laughs> it's not cautiously optimistic. It's <laughs> just cautious. So there was actually a couple more key injuries last night to the Ravens. And okay. again, I, I say this, I always hate to bank on injuries to give the Titans a better chance to win. But they might be down Calais Campbell. Brandon Williams got hurt last night. Terrell Bonds got hurt last night. And Nick Boyle got hurt last night. So Jesus. these are some a, one of the pivotal pieces to their offense and some really pivotal pieces to their defense, which their defense is what scares me the most. Their offense does not scare me the slightest bit. Lamar Jackson's only thrown for, I think, 1,700 yards so far this season and only rushed for 500, which, again, for a quarterback not scoffing at 500 rushing yards. But if that's what you're relying on to beat a team, because – Mark Ingram's hurt, and their yeah. other running backs don't scare you. If you shut down the run, you feel like you, you beat the Ravens. So 
that defense is the only thing that would keep him competitive in my mind. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's true. But, well, no. I mean, Indy doesn't have nearly those injuries on the offensive side of the ball or those um, those issues. I don't know. I just I felt that I felt that way about Indianapolis is, hey, your offense doesn't scare me at all. <laughs> your defense yeah. is what freaks me out. Um, and their weak offense put up 34 points. So. <laughs> but did they really, though? Did they really? Okay. Because no special teams have a lot to do with it. Right. So, so and another positive is last night. What, what are your thoughts on, on Damian Harris? Do you, do you know anything about Damian Harris? I don't have a lot of thoughts on Damian Harris, no. Damian Harris put up 121 yards last night against Baltimore's defense. So Jeez. for a defense, for a team that's heavily known by its defense, to have a, a guy that not many people talk about put up 121 yards makes you really, really hopeful that Derrick Henry should have a big game again against the Ravens. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I hope he does. I think that's always a good week for him to have a statement game as against Baltimore because it is that matchup carries so much weight in our franchise history. Um, it just seems like whenever there's that implication behind the game, Derrick Henry plays even better. So I'm looking forward to seeing how he does this week. And I do think I think we'll see him go for over 100. I think I don't think that's out of the question. I, I totally agree. I I think, again, as long as the, the script allows it, as long as we don't fall behind and we're able to utilize him, get him 20, 25 touches or more, he should break 100. But this game means a lot more as well than just, you know, some bloody history between the two teams. With the hot start the Titans had, we were talking about a first-round bye. Well, now after dropping three out of the last four, we're just hoping for a wild-card spot. Right. And with the Steelers still undefeated, the Baltimore Ravens are one of those teams that we're having to push out of the playoffs. As well as the Cleveland Browns, another team that we have to play coming up that we're to push the playoffs. <laughs> so, so this is bigger than most people think. And right now, our AFC record is what's keeping us out. So we can't afford another loss to an AFC opponent. We just can't. So right. this game has a lot more implications on the remainder of our season than what many people think. Yeah, absolutely agree. And I, that's why I've been nervous about the way our schedule is laid out, is because. I always felt like our schedule this year was easy, um, relatively speaking. No NFL schedule is easy, but ours compared to, I don't know, Houston's was pretty easy. Um, There's a reason we, outside of the fact that we looked good, 5-0 and was not an unreasonable start. I'll say that. Um, having Baltimore, having Indy, Baltimore, Indy, then Cleveland, correct? Yes. Having those four games in a stretch really freaks me out for the reason you just said, that playoff picture. So we have to win the next three. We absolutely have to. If we just want to feel comfortable. I I don't like going into week 17 going, okay, we have to win this or we're done. I hate that. So I I think most fans do. I I usually, I I like the winning in because it's like a playoff game without being a playoff game. But I, I totally agree. I want to have it locked up. I want to be able to rest our guys going into the playoffs because obviously yeah. a first-round bye is even harder now that they've eliminated the number two seed getting a bye. So yep. it, it is crucial going into week 17 and not having to sweat it out. Yeah, so how do you think this game's going to go? Yeah, I I think the Titans are, are going to come out ahead, of course. I think it's going to be a low-scoring affair. Uh, I think the Titans are going to come up 20-17. Uh, to 17. I think it's going to be a low-scoring okay. game. 
I think Lamar Jackson's going to throw two picks. I I think we're going to force him into some really uncomfortable spots, and I think we're going to take advantage. Okay. Well, I every time I say I think it's going to be a low-scoring game, it's like <laughs> over 60 points. <laughs> so <laughs> I am like over saying it's going to be a low-scoring game. I think it's going to be a little bit higher than that just because our defense doesn't look so sharp. Um as much as I hate to say that. And I, I want to clarify just for everyone that is listening that follows me on Twitter and gets mad at the stuff I say about our defense. When I defend our defense, it's because a lot of you come after players directly. And that's wrong. Our players are tremendously talented. There's a reason we have several Pro Bowl-level guys on that roster. They are being underutilized. They're being used wrong. And they're not being used to their strength. So when you see me defend them, that's why. Just wanted to put that out there. Um, at Mike Rabel. <laughs> yes, at Mike Rabel. Hire me. Actually, don't even hire me. Just call me. Let's talk. <laughs> I have ideas. <laughs> um, but no, I think it's going to be a little bit higher than that just because I think also our offense has something to prove. I think Ryan Tannehill is probably freaking out a little bit this week. I think Derrick Henry is going to have at least one touchdown, maybe two. I do see him having a 30, 40 plus yard run. So I'll put us winning at 31, 24, Okay. Getting the offense back on track with 30 plus points. I like to hear that. That, that would be a, a pleasant sight to see for Titans fans. I'm sure. Maybe one of those picks you called will be a pick six. Okay. I'll, I'll take a defensive score too. So you heard <laughs> it here, guys pick up the Titans defense for your fantasy league this week. Cause they're getting you a pick six and we're going to shut down the Baltimore Ravens. Just kidding. I would not advise doing that but um i also want to give a big shout out to our guy albert hainsworth who unfortunately could not be here with us this evening due to some uh, medical complications uh with pneumonia so we've got our prayers and best wishes going out to him as we look forward to hopefully getting here him on the show with us here soon yeah he said to tell everyone hello so he's definitely looking forward to being back and or be, not being back, but being on for his first show. And, I mean, if you follow him on Instagram, you can go see his story. He said, oh, this sucks because I was supposed to record a podcast today. <laughs> so <laughs> he was bummed, but definitely praying for him. And he seems to be in good spirit. So um, hope to hear him on the show next week. But, Joe, I don't have anything else. Do you? Yeah, uh, just one last thing, guys. Make sure to drop us a follow on Twitter, at SIA Titans Beat. We've got a giveaway going right now with our boy, Albert Hainsworth. Once we get to 1,000 followers, we're giving away a signed photo by the man himself. So make sure you jump in, and that way you get all of our latest notifications and you're entered to win automatically once you hit that follow button. So make sure you jump in the conversation, and hopefully we'll see you guys again. Again, this is the Titans Beat on the Say It Again Network. Tighten up. Tighten up.